Hello, everyone, and welcome to the War on Palestine podcast. This is episode four, recorded and published on November 7th, 2023. I'm one of the co-hosts, Noura Erekat, joined by Ziad Abu Rish and Bassam Haddad. We continue to offer this podcast as a digest of news that is happening on the ground. We recognize that for so many activists, scholars, analysts, and people who care about what's going on the past few days and weeks have been overwhelming in terms of keeping track, but also the emotional toll. We want to offer this resource to consolidate and keep track of developments on the ground in Gaza and Palestine, at the United Nations and across the diplomatic front, in the geostrategic sense, with grassroots activism, as well as the backlash to it across multiple geographies, and finally, the U.S. media landscape. While the impetus for this program was the dramatic escalation of Israel's violence in the Gaza Strip, we want to emphasize, as we have individually done so elsewhere, that Israel's campaign against the Gaza Strip is not Gaza-specific. It is Palestine-specific. In the end, what is happening in the Gaza Strip today is an intensification of the decades of settler colonialism and apartheid practices of the Israeli state, even if by many accounts one of its most violent iterations ever. Let us now turn to the details of this most recent iteration with Ziad. We are at day 32 of the Israeli siege and bombardment of the Palestinians living in the Gaza Strip coming on the backdrop of the 17-year Israeli-imposed blockade of the Strip and more than six different bombardment campaigns between 2005 and 2022. The sheer level of destruction, displacement, and devastation of Palestinian lives in this Israeli assault makes it unprecedented. According to an Israeli military spokesman, the Israeli military carried out 450 airstrikes on the Gaza Strip during the night of November 5th and morning of November 6th, reflecting the level of bombardment and its continued escalation. As of November 7th, the United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs reports that the Israeli bombardment of the Gaza Strip since October 7th has killed over 10,000 Palestinians, including more than 4,000 Palestinian children. This death toll includes at least 192 medical workers, 89 UN staffers, and 47 journalists. The Israeli bombardment of the Gaza Strip since October 7th has also injured an additional 25,000 Palestinians and displaced over 1.5 million Palestinians. The Israeli bombardment has damaged or destroyed at least 45% of all housing units in the Gaza Strip, including the total destruction of over 40,000 housing units. Israeli bombardment has damaged over 51% of all educational facilities, representing at least 267 education buildings. 625,000 Palestinian students have been without access to education for over a month, and it's not clear what type of access or lives they will have once the bombardment stops. The Israeli assault on the Gaza Strip has not spared health facilities either. Israeli bombardment and besiegement has caused the shutdown of over one-third of the hospitals and nearly two-thirds of primary health care facilities. This includes the damage to over 113 health facilities and 32 ambulances. Israeli airstrikes twice targeted Al-Rantisi Hospital in the last few days, including the Cancer Center and the Specialized Children's Center.
The Israeli strikes also destroyed the solar panels and the water tanks of Al-Rantisi Hospital. Israel recently bombed all the main generators for electricity and the solar panel for Al-Wafa Hospital. Al-Auda Hospital and Al-Quds Hospital are warning that fuel reserves will run out in 48 hours. At this point, fuel in all hospitals is only used for lifeline purposes. Gaza remains under a full electricity blackout since 11 October following Israel's halt of its power and fuel supply, which triggered the shutdown of Gaza's sole power plant. The entry of fuel, which is desperately needed to operate electricity generators to run life-saving equipment, remains banned by the Israeli authorities. In addition, there have been frequent communication blackouts instigated by Israel. At least four reported such occurrences have happened, lasting anywhere from three hours to more than 48 hours. The only operative mill in Gaza remains unable to grind wheat due to the lack of electricity and fuel. The World Food Program estimates that the, at the shop level, current stocks of essential food commodities in Gaza will be sufficient for about five more days. The 2.2 million Palestinians in the Gaza Strip have been reduced to consuming only 8% of the daily water they were consuming before October 7th. This is due to the shutting off of Israeli-sourced water combined with the Israeli bombardment and damage to water infrastructure including a 50% leakage in the main water pipeline between Rafah and Khan Yunus. The Israeli strategy for the Gaza Strip has been completely revealed by its pattern of indiscriminate attacks and ground incursions. It has effectively severed northern Gaza, including Gaza City northwards, from the rest of the Gaza Strip and subjected the area to intense bombardment with the goal of emptying the area of its inhabitants, amounting to a campaign of ethnic cleansing. It has facilitated this forced population transfer through its still-in-effect order to all residents to evacuate and its targeting of Al-Shifa Hospital and other parts of Gaza City and Jabalia refugee camp that Palestinians were seeking shelter in. At the same time, the Israeli bombardment of the remainder of the Gaza Strip remains in effect, demonstrating Israel's continued desire to ultimately force a wholesale transfer of the entire Palestinian population of the Gaza Strip outward, presumably into the Sinai Peninsula. Intermittent opening of the Rafah crossing between the Gaza Strip and Egypt has been limited to Israeli-approved foreign-slash-dual nationals and less than 1% of injured Palestinians. In addition, on the West Bank and East Jerusalem, Israeli military and settler violence have killed over 147 Palestinians, including 44 Palestinian children injured over 2,340 Palestinians, arrested over 1,000 Palestinians, and displaced over 1,000 Palestinians through confiscating or demolishing their homes. About 55% of Israeli killings of Palestinians in the West Bank since October 7th occurred as part of Israeli search and arrest operations, primarily in Jenin and Tulkarim governorates. Some 30% were during demonstrations in solidarity with Gaza, and 8% were killed in settler attacks against Palestinians. In fact, Israeli military-backed settler violence in East Jerusalem and the West Bank has reached an all-time high. Since 7 October, the Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs has recorded 208 settler attacks against Palestinians. In the past 48 hours alone, Israeli settlers entered the communities of Qawawis and Hebron, Al-Mazra'a al-Qibliya in Ramallah, and Al-Sawiyya in Nablus, damaging trees, water pumps, and other property. 
in the H2 area of Hebron, a Palestinian city with around 700 Israeli settlers living in illegal settlements and where the Israeli army has full control. The streets are largely empty of the 35,000 Palestinian residents due to Israeli soldiers and armed settlers in military uniforms on the lookout for any movement from Palestinians out of their homes or between them. Thank you, Ziad. Let's now turn to Nurla to hear what's happening on the U.S., U.N., and diplomatic fronts. On November 5th, the leaders of 18 U.N. agencies and humanitarian NGOs issued a joint statement expressing, quote, shock and horror at the mounting death toll from the conflict and calling for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire. In addition, the principles of the Interagency Standing Committee, which is the longest standing and highest level humanitarian coordination forum, called for the immediate implementation of an unconditional humanitarian ceasefire, the protection of civilians and critical infrastructure, and the release of all hostages, emphasizing the urgent need for humanitarian aid to reach those in need. At a recent press conference, UN Secretary General Guterres underlined the need to support a $1.2 billion humanitarian appeal to help Palestinians across the occupied territories while stating that what has made it through the Rafah crossing is not enough to meet the needs of Palestinians besieged in Gaza. Furthermore, he highlighted the need for a humanitarian ceasefire as, quote, Gaza is becoming a graveyard for children. And, quote, more journalists have reportedly been killed over a four-week period than in any conflict in at least three decades. He also asserted that more United Nations aid workers have been killed than in any comparable period in the history of the UN. On Sunday, November 5th, the UAE and China requested request closed Security Council consultations, which were held on Monday, November 6th. The UAE ambassador to the UN explained that they are still drafting and working on a Security Council resolution by narrowing the gaps that still exist between council members on this issue. She also states that many council members recognize that without a cessation of hostilities or some kind of humanitarian truce that is immediately implemented, civilians will continue to lose their lives in Gaza. The French ambassador to the UN made a statement that after Security Council closed consultations calling for humanitarian truce that leads to a ceasefire. He also says that France is organizing an international conference on November 9th in Paris to coordinate humanitarian efforts and make sure the needs of Palestinians are met. Outside of the UN system, South Africa has recalled its ambassador and diplomatic mission to Israel in condemnation of the bombardment of the Gaza Strip, calling it genocide. It joins Colombia, Chile, and Jordan, among others, in withdrawing its diplomatic representation. U.S. Policy The Biden administration has continued its longstanding full diplomatic, military, and economic support for Israel and its war on the Palestinian people. Despite growing dissent among the U.S. public and regional allies, the Biden administration sent formal notification of a planned transfer for precision-guided weapons fired from planes. The transfer was approved by the State Department. This order compounds on an earlier order for the same equipment that was valued at $403 million and comes in the wake over the U.S. representative's approval of $14 billion of military aid military support that now goes to the Senate. 
The U.S. also announced on Sunday, November 6th, the deployment of a nuclear missile submarine into the region. This follows early deployments of two carrier strikes groups from several weeks ago. The announcement is widely seen as a bid by the United States to prevent the spread of the Gaza war to other fronts as Israel refuses to end its assault on the Gaza Strip and has ramped up its attacks on southern Lebanon. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has come back from the region after a short meeting and visit with Israeli, Jordanian, and Egyptian counterparts. The return of Blinken without a joint announcement, the transcripts of his meetings, and the deployment of CIA director on a new trip to the region signaled to many analysts the failure of Blinken to succeed in bringing Egypt and Jordan on board with the U.S. plan to support only temporary humanitarian truces rather than a ceasefire in order to allow Israel to continue with its genocidal campaign of effectively ethnically cleansing the northern Gaza Strip and continuing to commit crimes against humanity against the entirety of the Palestinian population of Gaza. Politico cited a leaked dissent memo from within the Department of State which said U.S. diplomats requested U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and the broader Biden administration support a ceasefire and engage in more public criticism of Israel. The memo wrote against Israel's violations of international norms, including the failure to limit offensive operations to limit legitimate military targets. It also wrote against Israel's support of settler violence and illegal land seizures, as well as the excessive use of force against Palestinians. It is unclear how many people have signed the memo or if it has been submitted to the special channel reserved for policy disagreements. According to Politico, several dissent memos regarding the U.S. approach to the Israeli onslaught of Gaza are known to be circulating. Regional. An Israeli air attack has killed three children and their grandmother traveling in a car in southern Lebanon. Qatar has rejected Israeli claims of a tunnel network under Gaza's Sheikh Hamad Hospital in Gaza, stating that the claims were made without concrete evidence or an independent investigation, and that the claims were a clear attempt to justify the occupation's targeting of civilian facilities. Deputy Speaker of Bahrain's National Assembly recently said that members of the body are pressing to reverse normalization of relations between the Gulf state and Israel. Lawmakers were demanding an end to diplomatic relations with Israel. This comes three years after Bahrain signed onto the U.S. brokered Abraham Accords. However, the decision on Bahraini-Israeli ties ultimately falls on King Hamad bin Isa al-Khalifa and his government. Jordanian Air Force airdropped aid to a hospital at funds in the besieged Gaza Strip on Monday, November 6th. Thousands of protesters in Turkey had a pro-Palestine demonstration organized by IHHA group on a U.S. airbase in southern Turkey. Hundreds of vehicles arrived in Incirlik and a large crowd gathered near the base to listen to speeches waving placards with Turkish and Palestinian flags. Police fired tear gas and water cannons at the protesters after demonstrators tried to cross fields to enter the base. Thank you, Nuran Ziyad. This concludes our November 7th, 2023 episode of the War on Palestine podcast, a regular program of approximately 20 minutes, comprising updates on what is happening on the ground in Palestine, as well as some focused analysis on how to make sense of those developments. Today's episode was hosted and produced by myself, Bassam Haddad. It was written and presented by Ziyad Abunish and Nura Aliqat. Research for this program was conducted by Anas Al-Khatib, Mace Al-Alami, Sarah Al-Yahya, Ranim Ayad, and Ala Atiya Mitwali. Also, if you can catch it, this Friday at 11 a.m., we are holding our fifth teach-in on anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism. And you can catch this on youtube.com slash jadaliyah at 11 a.m. EST. See you all there. And regarding this episode and this podcast, find out more on 
palestineincontext.org. Thank you.